Well, good morning. This week we're continuing on our message series, Best Relationships Ever. ever, And we're going to talk about parenting, four things that we can do now to improve our parenting. You know, my wife and I were pretty excited because one of our favorite shows started a new season this past week called This Is Us. And this is us, us fans out there. A little bit. There's like, there's like a handful in each, each, each service. So it's great to have you. Thank you for helping me out today. But this show is about the Pearson family. Jack and Rebecca Pearson, who were having triplets. One baby did not make, survive the delivery. And then after that, they adopted one that they found in the, in the hospital room that was brought in that was left uh, at a fire station in a nearby area. And many times I watch this show... And I look at the father, Jack Pearson, and I just think inside, man, what a great dad. I mean, he's just so cool with his kids. He's thoughtful. He's patient. And I watch that and I think, how can I be a better dad like Jack Pearson? Have you ever had that in your life where maybe it's a TV character or it's a neighbor or someone at church and you just think, man, if only I could be a better parent like that. You know, I think we've all felt like that at times. And it's so easy as parents just to beat ourselves up and put ourselves down and think the grass is always greener on the other side. But can I just encourage you before we jump into this message, this is not to beat ourselves down. Because that's not the point. The reality is we can all look in the mirror and think, oh man, if only I did this better. My hope and my desire is that through today, you'll be encouraged, and that together we as a church can come together and support each other and, and encourage each other in our role as parents. Because whether you realize it or not, parenting is very much like running a marathon. It's a long journey. It really is. There's days when you think, this is amazing, I got this. And other days you think, what in the world am I doing? When I was younger, I used to run 5K races in, in, to condition myself for football. And my buddy and I, we were running this one race that we signed up for. And it's over in the North Hills behind uh, the old, what used to be the Northway Mall, McKnight Road, if you're familiar with that area. And the first mile was directly downhill. And I ran down that mile and at the clock at the bottom of the hill, I saw my mile time and it was no joke, like five minutes and 30 seconds. And I thought, I am awesome. I'm the best runner ever. The problem is this. The last mile was up that hill. That was probably the worst mile I've ever ran in my life. And I was tired and I was thinking when I was running up that hill, why did I do this? I am such an idiot. But then my buddy who was with me finished first and he came circled back around and he was looking for me near the top of the hill and he saw me. And when he saw me, he came down a little bit and he just started yelling out, Bill, come on, you got this. You can do this. Let's go. Let's run together. And he encouraged me and challenged me and, and pushed me to the finish line. You know, that's what this is all about. That's what the church is. It's us surrounding together and saying, you can do this. We've got this. We're here together. You can make it. Because that's what we need. And that's what the church is all about. So I hope that this today is going to be an encouragement to you wherever you're at in your journey in life. I hope this is an encouragement to you as we talk about our role as parenting. But before we really continue on, check out this video of parents being questioned on the street. What's the key to parenting? I think it's having a good sense of humor. Teach them what you know life's all about, but having fun while doing it. What's something about parenting that you weren't expecting? 
as a first-time parent, they're much more durable than what I thought they were. So, what do you mean by durable? I just always thought that, like, when you pick them up, you have to be like so, so gentle, <laughs> and they always talk about like, you know, cradling their head the and head all that, small. and you have to do that. Please cradle their heads, <laughs> but they're not as delicate as you think they are. What's the most difficult thing about being a parent? Maybe it's because of this age right now. She's they like, have to function. learn to share exactly. She doesn't want other kids to take head toys, so I would like her not to be a bully. <laughs> Thank you very much. What is something that you want to teach your kids? Be yourself and authentic. Think twice before they talk. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be a good person overall and be good to others. Peace out. The best advice I can give him is to continue his thirst for learning. What's actually something that you don't want him to learn from you? That's something I need to think about, but maybe... Uh... Now he's interested. <laughs> what should I not do, Dad? I probably get annoyed pretty easily. Are you annoyed right now? Yeah. How long have you been a parent for? 36 years. What um, advice would you give your own children when they become parents? Don't forget to call me and tell me thank you so much. Be kind. To be patient. Always keeping one eye on the future, but always living in the moment as well. Each day is different. Best advice I have is just love on them and take each day as the joy it is. Yeah, parenting is a journey. And I'll be honest, I could not talk about parenting with my partner in crime, my wifey, Miss Shelley. Can you welcome Shelley up here? So, Shell, do you remember the day that our oldest son Silas was born? Um, yes, yes. Are you talking about the part where I was clinging to the bed rails, thinking I was going to die? And my goal was actually, I will not take the Lord's name in vain. I will not. Or shortly after that, there was the time where, uh, going through contractions, I was squeezing Bill's left hand, and he was whining that I was squeezing too hard where his wedding band was. Poor that Bill. did hurt. Oh, it did. Poor Bill. <laughs> um, but seriously, we had done all that we could to try to prepare ourselves, prepare our home, um, and we were incredibly excited, but uh, very much overwhelmed. And I remember when the doctor came in and said, okay, you can take him home. And I was like, oh my goodness, okay, it's cold outside, and now we have to bundle him up, and like, so I'm trying like not to break him, and you know, we were just very nervous. And then we got home, and it was very quiet, and we thought to ourselves, like, who on earth entrusted us with another human being? Like, don't they know us? Why? Like, now we have to keep this thing alive. And yeah. And then um, I also remember that Bill thought that our, our son was a lot more fun when he was awake. And so I would quietly get him to sleep and then finally sit down and Bill would go over. And I was like, for the love of all that is holy, do not wake the baby. Yes. Then we had twins. And you know, the day we found twins, I about fell off my rocker. Do you ever watch Friends? And when Chandler Bing, I like his name, Bing, you know, when he found out that he was going to have twins and he just has that Chandler Bing face, twins, twins, that was me. I, I about passed out that day. Yes. Um, yeah, that was incredibly overwhelming. And I would say the first year was not about uh, thriving. It was more about surviving. Um, but it's really great to see them all growing up now and to see what they're involved in. Our oldest son, um, he loves music, technology. He has a heart for children and those with special needs. Uh, our twins are, um, they love soccer. And so we love seeing how they work together on the field. Zechariah always has a hug for mama, and John Mark is often the life of the party. Yes, he is. And, you know, between our three sons, 
One of the great things, the joy I love watching is the diversity in their personality. And, you know, they are so amazing and remarkably different in their own way. And the diversity in their personality has really caused us as parents to adapt our parenting style to each of them and how they best respond, how they best respond to us and what we're trying to accomplish in that moment. And I think, I think one of the most important questions that we as parents can really ask ourselves is, how do our kids respond to us? How are they responding to me in this moment? Because we can't just do the same thing for each child. If so, we're missing opportunities. We're missing, we're missing the moment. And so the truth be told, with Shelly and I, we're not amazing parents. We don't have it all going on. I mean, we make a lot of mistakes along the way. And to be honest, we've been some pretty big knucklehead parents. And I'm sure if our kids were up here, they would tell you some stories um, that would embarrass us through and through. But through all of our mistakes, I think we found some wisdom that we try to follow that hopefully can really be helpful for all of us, all of us as we go through here. Because truth be told, none of this is going to be earth-shattering new ideas. It's like, I never knew that. But I, my hope and my desire is that as we take this journey today, we'll, we'll kind of reinforce some things that we already know, that we can maybe think of things that, boy, if I could just apply this a little bit better, whether we're new parents or maybe one day become parents or our kids are already out the door and we're grandparents, wherever we're at, I hope that maybe we can use these nuggets to, 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 re, to challenge us and reinforce our style because the truth is it's all about wisdom. Wisdom is not what we know. Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is the application of what you do know. And the world, and I'm one of these people in this world, I think we tend to be what I like to call smart idiots. You know what smart idiots are? It's, it's when we know what we're supposed to do, but we just don't do it. You know, and, and we got to be able to overcome that and actually put into practice basically what we already know, the things we understand. And so here it is. Here are four things that we believe that we can actually do to improve our parenting style. The first is to spiritually invest. You know, spiritually investing in your child, I believe, is so vital to their development. So Proverbs 22.6 says, to train children to live the right way, and when they are old, they will not stray from it. So I think what the verse is saying is to build a spiritual foundation for our kids. Let them know as early on as possible who they are and whose they are. Teach them about God, instill in them that he always keeps his promises, he's forever faithful, and that Jesus loves them so much that he created them to be here at this time with all the people to um, carry on his good work. And surround them with good influences, people who pour into them. Bill and I could never communicate our gratefulness to our church family. Our kids have been here since they were born, since before they were born, um, but you all have poured into them. You have taught them, you've encouraged them, you have um, stretched them in ways and to, to serve and to carry on different things that they wouldn't normally have done. And so, um, you know, and your integrity, the fact that when they see you here in church and then they see you out in the community or at your job or at school and you're that same person here that you are out, it, it's huge and, and it makes a huge influence and so thank you for that. Um, and then the other thing that we can do to spiritually invest is to serve alongside them. So you can um, make those great memories and be a team as you serve together. 
and pray for wisdom for yourself and for your children. The wisdom to make the right choices, the wisdom to see others as he sees them, the wisdom to follow him when it seems difficult, the wisdom to hear his still small voice. God promised that the prayer for his wisdom is one that he'll always answer yes to. You know, some prayers he says yes, some he says no, and some he answers by saying not yet. But wisdom is always a yes. So make sure every day to ask God for his wisdom for your kids and for yourself. Yeah, and I think the best way to look at this is that we are laying a foundation for our children, brick by brick, relationship by relationship, experience by experience. Every opportunity that we have in their life, we're building that foundation for them. You know, because truth be told, our lives are basically built on a foundation. And every choice is that every choice we make, every relationship we have, every experience that we have is basically a building block in the foundation of our life. And right now, all of us are trying to build that foundation. And as parents, we're trying to build that foundation for our children so they can be successful adults, not just su- su- uh, successful in this world, but successful at following Jesus, engaging Jesus in their life, even when they fall short. You know, Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 7. He said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because, it's, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into, the, into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. You know, Our job as parents, we should view it as bricklayers. We're bricklayers in their lives. You know, developing relationships for them, helping them to make wise decisions. And the rock that Jesus is talking about is Jesus himself. We should lay a foundation that Jesus is the cornerstone of their life. We should be investing in them and building that foundation so that one day when they are on their own, one day day when they're out of our house, that hopefully, prayerfully, they will have such a solid foundation in Jesus that even when storms come, even when days when they don't make the right decision, they will get back up and run towards him. And so how can we really become bricklayers in the child's life? Well, here's some easy things to do. First of all, pray together. Pray with your children. Make it a daily habit just to pray with them. That's what we really try to do in our household. We're not perfect by any means. And there's days when, when things get crazy and we get, think through after they're in bed. Man, we didn't pray with them today. Don't, don't beat yourself up, but make the next choice tomorrow to do that. You know, as a family, we try to make sure when we're together with meals, we pray together. And we try every evening when it's bedtime, we gather together. And that's our devotion time to kind of talk things out and pray together. And I know that sometimes... Let's be honest, the Steelers game's going a little bit late. You know, you're kind of into it, and you're kind of missing out, and they're in bed. It's like, oh, no, I, I, don't, I, I missed out on the opportunity. i got to get to sleep and, and just being with them. Don't, don't skip it. You know, at least just pray with them. Just pray with them. Make that an effort. And secondly, have some spiritual discussions together. Have spiritual discussions 
with your kids. You know, I love what's going on with our Impact Kids program. You know, for those of you that have kids right now in the birth through fifth grade program, and, you know, we have the older group that meets Sunday nights, the sixth uh, grade through twelfth grade. I love what's going on there. And for those of you who have the younger kids in the, in the um, nursery, um, um, birth through fifth grade, you can download the Impact Kids Parent Q app. And I really encourage you to do that because go onto your smartphones or wherever, download that app, sign in, you can connect with Impact. And here's the cool thing. It gives you the opportunity to have spiritual discussions super easy, and it's all connected to what they're already talking about in their Sunday program. So you can sound like a genius with your kids. Hey, I heard you talked about this past week. So what's, what's happening? You know, and use that as an opportunity to have those spiritual discussions. Um, another thing you can do is to do devotions together. So this is something recently that we've been doing on, um, through the YouVersion app. And so... Um, a couple months ago, uh, Bill hooked it up for our family, uh, but if you go to your version and you go to plans, which is down in the corner, um, you can do a family devotion together. And so you can choose what plan you would like to read, and then it will send the invitation um, to you and whoever you invite. So whether you want to do it with um, friends or family, we do it, we choose to do it with our kids. And so every day they will get a reminder and they'll get the devotion to read and the scripture that goes with it. And then it will ask them a question, you know, what did you learn from this? Or how is God speaking to your heart? And then they type in their answer and everybody gets a copy of what they put in. And so that way we can see how our kids are interpreting that scripture. And then we can talk about it with them in, in the evening for our devotion time. So that's been really great. And it's, practical. It's been great and practical. It's been awesome. Here's the thing. You don't need to be a Bible scholar to have spiritual discussions with your kids. You just don't. These discussions are more about listening and digging into the Bible with them and just engaging them for some time. You know, we don't need to act like we have all the answers. Just engage spiritual discussions with your kids and see what God does through those discussions and what doors he opens up. Deuteronomy 11, it's written... Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get back up. So Deuteronomy 11 talks about loving the Lord and serving him with all our hearts. But I love verse 18 and 19 in reference to parenting. It tells us to memorize the commandments and teach them to our children. It says to talk about them all the time, whether you're at home, walking along the road, going to bed at night, or getting up in the morning. Then your families will live a long time in the promised land, as long as the sky is above the earth. And this is something I've tried to take very seriously as a parent. I want our kids to grow up making God a part of their everyday lives and to be aware of him working around them. You know, notice the sunrises and the sunsets. Only God can put those there. He paints beautiful pictures every day for you to realize his power and his presence. You know, you see a person being unkind to someone, use that as an opportunity to pray for the person who's being unkind and for the person that they're treating unkindly. Teach your kids that hurting people hurt people. The Apostle Paul was once Saul who treated people terribly, but he had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus changed his heart. And we're here today because... Paul's heart was changed and spread the gospel. And so teach your kids that that is possible with those bullies or those kids that, that aren't um, treating others so nicely. And, you know, if you're driving near an ambulance or a police car, you can use that as an opportunity to thank God for the first responders and to pray for them and to pray for those people that they're serving. 
Don't waste the teachable moments. Yes, those teachable moments are so valuable. You know, along with that, guide them to learn how to use their gifts and passions to serve Jesus. You know, our oldest son Silas, like Shelly said, he, um, he loves singing. He loves technology. So our heart is how can we guide him to use that to serve Jesus one day in his life? For, our, for the twins, they are soccer nuts. They love soccer. You may even see them kicking the soccer ball after church today on that turf field out there because that's all they want to do. And our heart is rather than trying to make them professional soccer players, teach them to how to use that passion to one day serve Jesus and others in their life. You know, guide them towards that. And this leads us to our next way to improve our parenting, and that is to invest in quality time. In other words, be here now. I love this phrase, be here now. You know what it means? It means to be in the moment that you are in. When you're at work, you be at work. You give your work your best, uh, the best of you. But when you are home, you be at home. You're focused at home. You give your home the best of you. Being present with your children on a regular basis is one of the most important things that we can do as a parent. So I like to say, listen with your face. Like, I want to see your eyes. I want to know that you're, you're paying attention to me. And I need to give that back to them. So turn off the TV or pause it or put down your phone. And those times where you have like 17 things going on in your mind, you know, you have to make dinner and get uniforms dry. And then you have to remember to drive three different people to three different places. Just breathe and try to be here now. Listen to your children's stories. When they want to share, listen, make that eye contact with them and notice their feelings and their opinions on things. Yeah, and I love, I'm going to steal this analogy from our kids program because they, they're pretty awesome. But this jar of marbles has 936 marbles in it. And every marble represents a week that you have with your child from the moment they're born until they graduate from high school. You have 936 weeks with your children. And so each week you go get, get a jar, put 936 marbles in there and start taking a marble out for every week that goes by with your child. And let that be a visual reminder of how many weeks you really have left with your children before they graduate. And so the, the, the reality is this. We've already lost some marbles. <laughs> get it? Okay, yeah. never mind. But we've already lost some marbles. You know, in other words, time's already going past. So don't miss the moment. Don't miss the opportunities to be here now, to invest that time with your children. You know, just be with your kids. Sometimes being dependable is so much more important than being remarkable. Don't miss that. Sometimes being dependable for your kids is so much more important than doing something remarkable. Because they're going to remember so much more of those moments you had with them. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. You know, Paul goes on to write in that same chapter that we are to have the same attitude of Jesus. Who revealed his love through humility and sacrifice. You know, here's the struggle that I think we tend to have sometimes as Parents, we don't value our kids' time enough. We just don't. You know, the most valuable thing that you can provide your child is your time. Is your time. 
And sometimes I think selfishly, and I do the same thing all the time. I'm so guilty of this. Sometimes I think selfishly, we run after our own interests. We run after our own ambitions, the things that we think we need to accomplish. And we miss the time with our children. You know, sometimes we'll say, it's just, life is just too busy. We don't have the time. No, no, it's not. You're not too busy. And if you're saying things are too busy, then I'm sorry, but something is out of focus in your life. Something is out of focus in your home. And busyness, know know this, busyness is not the sign of of a successful life. Oftentimes, busyness is a sign that your life is out of control. And I'm speaking to myself. We struggle with this too in our home. Don't miss this. Our kids can sense when we're too busy for them. Without a doubt, our children can sense when you are just too busy for them. So here's the take home. Take time with them on a weekly basis. Just hang out with them. Put your stuff down and hang out with them. Put that time on the calendar like any meeting you would do in your life. Put them on the calendar so that nothing else will distract you from it. And just hang out with them. Do something they would enjoy. Don't have them just tag along on, on another errand that you need to run. You do something they enjoy. Go to a restaurant they like. Play the video games they enjoy. Be there now with them. More than anything, your child needs love. And every child needs and shares love differently. So there's a book that came out years ago called The Five Love Languages. And someone gave it to Bill and I um, before we got married. And then sure enough, a couple years later, they came out with The Five Love Languages for Children. And so um, how it goes is, if you haven't heard of it, Um, people give love and receive love differently. And so the five different ways in this book are acts of service, receiving gifts, physical touch, like hugs or pats on the back, words of affirmation, and quality time. So it's important for you to figure out what speaks the most to you, what helps you to feel loved, and then figure out how, like, what is the love language of each of your children. And so that way, um, you can help to strengthen that bond, you can help to really speak love into them, and then they can become more confident kids. Absolutely. The next thing that we think that we can do to improve our role as parenting is to be someone worth imitating. This is a tough one. Be someone worth imitating. A couple years ago, one of my favorite Steelers got into the Hall of Fame. His name is Jerome Bettis, the bus. And he gave what I think is one of the best Hall of Fame speeches I ever heard. And his Hall of Fame speech was all kind of around how his father gave him the name Bettis. From his hard work and his integrity and the man that he was. And the man that he wanted his son Jerome to be. And as Jerome was giving that speech, his son was sitting in the front row. And he concluded his speech by just saying to his son... I gave you a name. Don't mess it up. I love that speech, but it really challenged me because it made me think, what name am I giving my kids? What name am I passing along to my boys? Am I someone worth following? Am I I representing what it means to have integrity, what it means to make good choices, what it means to be an honorable person to them? Am I someone in their life worth following? Because truth be told, every one of us is following something, and likewise, someone is following us. And your behavior serves as a model for your children. Going back to what I said about Philippians 2, it's written that we are to have the same attitude of Jesus in his sacrifice and in his humility. You know, parents, don't miss this truth. I don't care what they're involved in, how much time they spend on TV or video games. 
Don't miss this truth in your life. You, as a parent, are still the most influential thing in your child's life. You are. They are imitating us in good ways and bad ways. And so ask ourselves the question. Don't beat yourself up. This isn't to knock you down. But just be real. Am I being someone that is worth imitating? Am I representing Jesus well for my kids? Am I laying the foundation in their life by the person that I am? I think that makes a big difference. So, like Bill said, this can happen. They can imitate us in good ways and in bad ways. Um, when Silas was a toddler, we were leaving the church and we're in a car driving away and we were running late for something and Bill realized that he forgot his phone up at church. And so he takes his hand and he smacks the steering wheel and he goes, dang it, real loud. And I'm like, no, we have a toddler and he's learning to talk and oh, where's your self-control? Don't say that. Well, then a couple days later, Silas dropped his binky or something got messed up and he goes, he hit something, he goes, bang it. I'm like, ugh, ugh. But then, the following weekend, we were at Bill's parents' house, and the kids were up in the playroom, and so I thought, I better go check on them. And I go up, and Silas had gone over, and he got a um, music stand, and he put it down, and he stood behind it, and he goes, God made you, God made me. God loves you, God loves me. And I thought, yeah, I mean, maybe we're not, like, that bad. So our kids are imitating us. And so what are we representing to them? Finally, the last thing I think that we can really do to improve our parenting is to be their guide. Be their guide. You know, the, this role really involves encouragement and constructive criticism. It needs to be a balance. And my guess is that we're all good at one of these. Some of us are really good encouragers in our children's lives, but let's be honest, we let them get away with just a little bit too much. And some of us are really good at correcting our children, but we rarely celebrate when they do good. There needs to be a balance in our parenting. You know, it's written in Proverbs 19, verse 18, to correct your children while there is still hope. Do not let them destroy themselves. This all ties back to building our houses on a strong foundation that we talked about before. Build that foundation for their life. I think we should be able to say to our kids, you know, follow me as I follow God until the day when we can step to the side and walk alongside them as we both follow him together. Absolutely. You know, my first job when I was a kid was I was a busboy at this really fancy restaurant. And kind of just be honest, I really didn't like that job. And the reason I didn't like it is because my boss was always on me. She was following me around and she was always yelling at me and nagging at me about every little mistake I did. Or if I didn't stop, if I stopped walking for just a second to grab a glass of water, she's like, you never can stop. You always have to be walking. Or when I put the silverware on the table, if one was just slightly off, off center, like the silverware is not straight. Every piece of silverware needs to be straight. Or if I put the tablecloth on, just a little bit off-center, she was yelling at me for it. And can I just be honest, it got to a point that I just despised going to work. Until eventually, I just quit. And sometimes I think we as parents, we need to be cautious. If we become hard to please, we may miss the opportunity of influence. Look what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not nag your children. If you are hard to please they may want to stop trying. Can I just say, as a parent, that verse scares me. Because I don't want to be so difficult with my children that they just throw in the towel and give up in the bricklaying process of their journey. 
you know, we gotta, we got to be focused on that. We can't miss the opportunity. Now, don't get me wrong. This is hard, and it's not about being perfect, because oftentimes they, what this tends to do is as they're trying to figure themselves out and as they are becoming more and more independent in their journey, in their life, guess what that creates in the home? Conflict. You know, the, reality, the truth is this. Every relationship that you have in life, conflict happens. And the same is it with our relationship as children. You know, healthy relationships need conflict. It's not about avoiding conflict. It's about how I conduct myself when conflict comes. Because conflict is unavoidable, but conflict is necessary. It's written in the Old Testament in Proverbs 27. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And if you ever take an iron to sharpen each other, guess what it creates? A spark, right? Here's the, re- here's the truth in that. Sparks are necessary in sharpening iron. In other words, in relationships, conflict is necessary. You cannot have a healthy and thriving relationship, whatever relationship it is, without conflict. Conflict is necessary. The problem is not when conflict comes. The problem is when conflict does come, how do I conduct myself? How do I handle myself within conflict? That's what we need to figure out how to deal best with. So our role as parents is we're encouragers, we're guides, and we're correctors. So something that I try to do, you know, kids can make you really, really mad sometimes. And um, I've been trying to, if I am upset and I'm about to lose my cool, I try to keep a gentle hand on them. And so it lets them know our bond is not broken. I love you. And it helps me to calm down. It helps them to calm down. And it's just a simple little tool. Um, but I do remember one time I was fussing at them, and one in particular was like, Mom, your face, you, it's, you have such an ugly face on. And so I just like paused right there, and I went and I looked in the mirror, and I was like, oh my gosh, like it really is ugly. And, and so I had to go, and there are so many times where I realize what I have done is wrong. And so it is so important to go back to them and show them, show them how to say I'm sorry, show them how to except that you've done something wrong, but that you want to try to do it better. As parents, we will fail, but it's important to show them both sides. So a teacher, I mean, a a guide in their life really needs to be a teacher and a mentor and a coach. You know, help them understand what is the right choices? What are the choices that aren't so desirable? And be clear with that with them. Be honest with them and celebrate the wins. You know, I think I struggle with sometimes it's so easy when they make mistakes to jump on them. You did this wrong. Why did you do this? Why didn't you clean your room? And then when they do make the right choice, to celebrate it with them. Hey, good job. And guess what? They're not going to wake up tomorrow and do everything right. But I bet you in the journey towards that foundation building that they'll do one part of it right. And so when they do that one part of it right, celebrate with them. Don't focus on, boy, you did that, but you didn't do all this. No, let's celebrate Hey, I asked you to pick up your laundry, and you picked it up. You didn't make your bed yet, but you picked up your laundry. Way to go. Celebrate those wins with them. Celebrate those victories. Give them some uh, steps towards success. And be clear on what that is and what that looks like in their life. Be a good listener with them. Don't, Don't talk over them. Hear them out. Try to see things from their vantage point. I think it's so easy from us as parents when we argue with them is that, hey, 
you know, you didn't get this right. Why did you do that? When maybe if we just kind of turn it around and say, how did you see that? Why did you make that choice? You know, I think it's so important that you hear them and understand what they're trying to do. Because they may not have meant to do wrong, but they went in a different direction because maybe they understood it differently than the way we understood it. Bottom line, it's all about grace. God gave us great grace. And it's about living in his grace and revealing his grace in how we conduct ourselves with our children. You know, do your best and just let God do the rest. Build that foundation and let God do his part. Let grace abound. You know, to package it all together, it's all about loving our kids. Loving them to make the next right choice and the next right choice and putting them on that path to success. You know, as parents, let's just strive to do that together. Let's live by grace. Let's show grace. And let's collectively as a group support each other to raise the next generation and see what God does. Let's pray together.